Hi, everybody. It's Jack Graham, John Peterson with We Talk Photo Podcast. Uh, this is uh, a real honor today because we have with us Scott Kelby. And I think everybody in the photography world that's listening to this knows who Scott is. And it's just a real honor to have Scott. He just got back from a long trip. We'll get him to tell a little bit about that. But um, he travels like crazy and made some time for us today. And we really appreciate it. Scott, thank you for being here. Oh, absolutely. The pleasure is mine. Well, um, you know, uh, we were just talking before we started this recording that um, we – this is a real – as. The, the people who have listened already know this is a pretty laid back conversation. Um, we're giving you the opportunity to talk about what you'd like to talk about as well. And we have just a few questions that I think some of our listeners would like to, uh, to hear about. Hey, John, yes, why, don't, sir. why don't you kick off things here with Scott? Well, Scott, I think I think first I just saw just recently you just returned from Japan. How was that trip for you? Oh, Japan is was awesome. Uh, we really it's a fa- it was a family trip, and so we really went for our kids. Uh, my son and my daughter are huge into anime, uh, so Japanese cartoons uh, like on television, and then they're also into manga, which are like comic books that are. Uh, written and read from back to front, but they're, they're translated into English. And they're super, super big into this, have been for like for many, many years. My son's 22 and my daughter's 13, and they're best of friends, and uh, they are really into this. So they've been wanting to go to Japan and for years, and so we finally got a trip together for, the, the, for them to go over there. And it was for them, it was like going to the mothership. Yeah, they yeah. were they just loved it. My daughter said it was best trip ever and she's been all over. So they we had a blast. The kids just it's fun seeing your kids have that much fun. So it, it wasn't a, a super photography type of thing. Like I only went shooting, I think, three days, uh, one two mornings before everybody got out of bed. And yep. then the last day, my son and I took a train out to shoot this bridge that I had seen and forgot my camera. Well, I didn't know the bridge was there. So I, I just went, we were, we were going shopping and stuff. And I look at this bridge and I'm like, wow, that's really cool. I wish I'd brought my camera. So I, we wound up taking a train back there just to shoot the bridge. Oh, was that in Tokyo? In Tokyo or outside of Tokyo? It was in Tokyo, uh, right near Tokyo Disneyland, actually. Oh, okay. so it was. I, I know uh, what, and it, we it, workshop out there a couple of years ago. I looked at your images, and uh, you you visited most of the places uh, that we did as well. And it's um it's an amazing place. It's yeah. so colorful, and you oh, know the people are awesome. And it's yeah, so clean. Everything's so clean. That biggest, <laughs> That's the thing a, that got me when I was in Tokyo. There is no garbage, and yet you don't hmm. even find garbage cans around. So where does it all go? I know that that's the funny thing because Peter Hurley happened to be over there at the same time I was. And Peter, we wanted, we're trying to get together and do karaoke, but we didn't. But Peter did a, a, an Instagram story while I was there. And his story was on what I'd been talking about. Where are the garbage cans? And Peter yeah. was like, and I'm like, I'm showing it to my wife. They go, see, it's not just me. There's no garbage cans. <laughs> but there's no garbage. I don't know where it's all going. But they're masters at collecting and hiding garbage because they you, there's you can't find a garbage can on the streets. It's crazy, but it's so clean and so it's organized. Crazy. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah it's well, an amazing it's trip. what did you uh, what did you carry with you on that trip? Um, so I'm I'm now shooting a an EOS uh, R mirrorless. So Good. that was my my camera for the whole trip, and I took two lenses, a sixteen to thirty five f four, and then a seventy to two hundred, which was kind of a pain in the butt. Heavy. However, uh, yeah, heavy as anything. However, Canon just announced like a couple of weeks ago, and it won't be shipping until uh, well uh, August, so sometime next month. Uh, they they announced a twenty four to two forty. Wow. And that's pretty good because – and it's native to the, the mirrorless camera, so I don't have to use it like the adapter to use you know, Canon lenses. But what's but, great about it is, of course, it's small. It's lightweight. Uh, they've been making the lenses for these mirrorless are incredibly sharp. In fact, it's the star of their show or the lenses yeah. for their mirrorless. Um, but it's 900 bucks, which is the 900 list. Yeah. So that's a great price. I imagine it's going to be incredibly sharp. But yeah. I, I was I was a little skeptical in the twenty to twenty four to three uh, two forty range because everybody else does a twenty eight to three hundred, right? I mean that's like Nikon mirrorless, makes uh, mirrorless. I'm sorry, opens up a a, a, a a new. I mean, you can, I think you can make lenses in that range quite uh, good use in the mirrorless uh, format rather than the DSLR format. Oh, I, I agree. And they've been able to do amazing things with the lenses that they've done. Uh, but here's the thing that sold me on the 24 to 240, because really I was wanting a 28 to 300. And yeah. Canon actually makes a 28 to 300. So I thought I wanted all this time a 28 to 300. And, of course, like I said, that the Canon the Canon is uh, a push-pull. It's so old, and it's also 3.8 pounds. Oh, so geez. it's heavier than a, 20, uh, a 70 to 200, and it's just bad. So the old cameras. So I'm talking to an engineer at 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 Canon, and I'm saying, when are you guys going to come out with a 28 to 300? He goes, how about a 24 to 240? I'm like, oh man, that's not really what I want. He goes, well, think about it. He goes, the 24 is wider than the 28, and wouldn't you rather have a 24? And I'm like, well, yeah, you're right, it, it is better. And he says, you can crop the 240 to 300, no problem. You're going to have a 30 megapixel camera. You can crop it no problem. You can get to 300, 400, whatever you want, but you can't make a, a lens wider than it is. Yep. And I'm true. like, I'm sold. That's it. Give me that. I said, forget what I said. Take off the 28 to the. I want a 24 to 240. <laughs> so uh, it, I, I'm, I'm on the list. I went to B and H. I pre-ordered it. So that that will I that will keep me from taking two lenses. I was taking a 16 to 35. And then I was taking the 7200. Now, I might take a 14 with me because the 14 is really small and light. It's, you know, three inches long or two inches, two and a half inches long, and it's light. So I could take the 14 and that 124 to 28, and I would be set. So yeah. I would mostly use that one lens and, and, and not have to take a 20, uh, 70 to 200 at all. So that's what I, I'm most excited about in gear right now is I want to get my hands on that 24 to 240. You know, we go to Greenland. We're under uh, pretty strict weight situations when you fly from Iceland over to Greenland. And I carried, the, you know, Fuji Banks is 18 and 135. I carried that and the 14. And that was it for two weeks, and it worked out great. Oh, that sounds like a great combination right there. Mirrorless, mirrorless is, uh, is good. It's, good. It's, it's just a whole new, kind of a new world, and it's it's just opened up. 
a lot of possibilities of not having to carry heavy stuff. And you know how that gets when you know, I'm 95 years old, so I, <laughs> it gets crazy here. So, well, it's funny. The older you get, the the the, the less willing you are to carry a bunch of crap. You're like, you know, I have to tell you that um, I see my people on my workshops with way too much gear. And, you know, I, I tell them every year, you know, your camera bags are like refrigerators. You're going to fill it no matter how big it is. So every year yeah. I I'll buy a smaller camera bag. You, you'll be a better photographer, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I really like that idea. Always buy a smaller camera bag. I love that. New Year's that's, resolution. That's buy a tweet. You know, I mean, you know, you're going to find, you know, when Canon starts bringing out some primes, uh, you're going to really find that you'll carry three or four lenses around and that'll be it. And you can worry about photography, not not not, not gear. gear. Hey, you know what's a good one? When I, I was uh, I did a workshop in Paris uh, about a month and a half ago and uh, the guy I did the workshop with Mimo Madani uh, is an awesome, awesome photographer and a great uh, guy. He had the the mirrorless thirty five. So it's just a 35 prime. It was yep. like 400 bucks and yep. it was sharp. Oh yep. my gosh. Was it sharp? Yep. And it was like 400 bucks, but it's yep. just like 35 is a weird range for me. It's not wide enough. It's not long enough. Yeah. It's just in that weird kind of. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. But these little like, you know, Fuji makes these little primes, these 14, 23, 35, 50, and even a 90, um, and it, with the one five sensor, the thirty five is a fifty, and you know you, I carry four lenses with me, and, and it weighs about the same as the camera almost. It's 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 great. It's great. I know my my friend who lives right down the street from me. She's quite a good photographer, and she assists me on a lot of shoots. And she's she's a Fuji shooter, and she shows up with these lenses that are yeah. so light, and they're yeah. fast. They're light and they're fast. And I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm very jealous. I'm carrying yeah. around heavy, heavy, slow lenses, and here she's got these these Fuji lenses that are so yeah. light. And, you know, there's so, so, such good gear. Uh, I, I tell everybody, your images aren't aren't good at believing it's not the gear it's it's you guys and it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, six inches that. behind the camera that makes the difference it does well, hey Scott, yeah. just for just, what, what what's happening um I, well i know what's happening but what, what's new with uh with uh kelby one and what what what's going on these days just for the people who may not know oh well, right now we're we're all hands on deck for our upcoming conference in Las Vegas. So fo we produce the Photoshop World Conference we have from the very beginning, and uh, it's coming to Vegas uh, August twenty first through twenty third at the Mirage. And so we're very excited about that. We're all hands on deck as we get close to Photoshop World. It consumes every moment. Sure. Uh, but uh, Kelby One as a company, what we do is we do online training for photographers. And every week we, we introduce a brand new full length class. So every week that's that's our thing. Fifty two weeks a year. We actually do more than one a week, but we normally I mean we always release a class every Thursday. And uh, so that's our thing. And uh, we are so we we do one every week. But our two things that we kind of hang our hat on are uh, number one, we use just the most awesome instructors. Yep. But the other thing I think that that kind of sets us apart and what makes people come and, and join us is that when, when we do a class, for example, 
I guess it's the lengths we go to. If we do a class on shooting safari, we send a camera crew to Africa and we actually shoot a, a real safari with the instructor so you're sitting right there. When we teach aviation photography, we have a squadron of World War II uh, warbirds flying in formation off the coast with the instructor in one plane and a chase plane photographing the instructor. When we teach you how to do dance photography, we're in New York City with a prima ballerina from the New York City Ballet. When we're teaching you uh, travel photography, we're on the streets of Paris or in Venice. You know, We go on location. You're right there beside the instructor. We spend a stupid amount of money on yeah. making these classes like cinematic and making you feel like you're right there and it's a one-on-one experience. So that's like our thing. That's our, our – you know, we, we just got back from Canada taping classes up there. We fly to Europe if we need to. We we go wherever the instructors are or we, or we bring the instructors over here to the United States because we have instructors literally from all over the globe, from Germany, from India, from the U.K., from Canada, <laughs> from everywhere. Uh, wherever the best people are, we seek them out. So that's our that's our thing. And uh, we're having a ball. We're having a great year. We've had some amazing classes from some great instructors, and then we're just we're having a ball. So it's been a really great year for us. And you guys really pioneered this uh, from 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 the beginning years ago, and uh, and fine tuned it, and and it's uh, it's an it's an amazing pro, uh, program for photographers that you know maybe can't get to some of these places and want to see what goes on and learn at the same time. It's it's uh, it's uh, Pretty amazing. It's pretty it's amazing, amazing, Scott. Thanks. You know, I was looking through your roster of instructors, and that's really the who's. You know, it's a lot of the who's who of of the photography world these days. And you you're able to partner with so many amazing people to yep. produce this content. Yeah. Well, you know, when when we started, our, uh, back then they don't do it anymore. But back at the beginning, that's that's Lynda.com. That they were doing a bunch of photo stuff, and they they had the jump on us. They were they had the online classes before we did. So when, when we when we're sitting there looking at them with, you know, 200, 300 classes and we had zero, we're thinking, well, what's going to set us apart from them? Because they're so far ahead of us. And uh, they uh, we decided, well, our thing is going to be production quality and instructors. It's going to be household names. So we we did from the very beginning. We thought, OK, to launch this thing, if we could have anybody we wanted, who would we get? And that's what we did. We set out to put, you know, the best together. So. We while we didn't we couldn't match their their uh, number of content on any level. Uh, we had to come up with okay, what's going to be our special sauce? And our special sauce was the instructors and the the cinematic you know quality of the classes. And it has worked out really great. Now, uh, Linda, of course, they don't while they don't do the photography stuff anymore. Uh, they they were bought by LinkedIn for one point two billion dollars. So I think that. In the wow. end, they actually did pretty well. <laughs> I think that it seems like now it's just me, but it seems like they 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 really did well. It's it yeah. seems like mm-hmm. a lot think, of me. you think. Wow. Yeah, one point two billion. It's with a B, with a billion. Yeah, yeah, that's they, a good number. They, and it is. It's a good number, yeah. and you know. So, but you know what? I mean, I to be honest with you, I've I've known Linda Weinman and her husband. You know. The, you know, for years we worked with Linda. Linda taught uh, for us at Photoshop World, and they are super nice people. I mean, we never had an adversarial relationship with them. We were always very friendly 
Um, they're, they're good people and they, they did it for the right reasons and they were smart about it. And, you know, our hats off to them, you know, even though that, uh, that they, they sold for, I don't know if I mentioned $1.2 billion, they, they deserved it. They, they were the pioneers and we were following them. They were, I, you know, yeah. And and they did everything right. They, they really did. And, and, uh, so hats, they expanded way beyond photography. So they started in the photography. They started really in the graphic design was their thing, not photography. And then they, they were, they went in and expanded into Microsoft Excel and Word and every, everything that you can think of. And they did it so well and they did such an incredible volume and they just, they, I, I got nothing but love for them. Yeah, they developed a great brand, and that, and that's, it paid off in the end, you know. Yeah, they they really did, and now they're part of Microsoft. So they they really it all it all it all all the things lined up for them, but it, it wasn't just luck. They they worked hard for it. Yeah, I tell you, I'm going to have to hit you up because air to air photography is something on my list of things to accomplish. And it, when you mentioned that, it just got my adrenaline flowing. So that's so Scott. Hey. Talk to us, where do you see the world of post-processing going in the future? You know, there's a lot of changes happening in the market. You're, you know, obviously with uh, Photoshop. Um, but where do, you, where do you see, if you had a crystal ball, where do you see post-processing going? Well, I think one of the – it's weird because this, this is – it's a great topic that you brought up because it's a weird time. Uh, in, in, it's a great time and a weird time in, in some ways. I really think that the artificial intelligence stuff that they're doing, like I'm just going to talk about like what Adobe and what Luminar is doing and stuff. Some of the stuff they're doing is really intriguing and really helpful. So, for example, uh, Adobe now has this technology they're using. Um, it's called it. They, their, their technology is called Adobe Sensei. But their AI stuff, for example, now you can open a picture of anything, a picture of a pineapple or a person or a deer or whatever, and, and you can choose a button called Select Subject, and it'll select it for you. It'll just put a selection around it like you took the lasso tool. Now, it's not perfect, but, but it is surprisingly good. And let's just say that it doesn't do 100% of the selection for you. Let's say it does 85. I think that's awesome because – Standing there and making a selection or sitting there and making a selection is not a fun part of Photoshop. It's the crappy production part of Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not – you're not being creative. You're not doing something amazing. You're doing production work. In fact, I, I get an email every day on LinkedIn from another company in India offering to do selections for me. I mean it's like there must be a million companies in India that do nothing but make clipping paths. Oh, my gosh. I, I kid you not, every third LinkedIn person is somebody from India that does clipping paths. But anyway, so it now, it now it creates a selection for you, which you can turn into a clipping path. But at the same time, this is weird because the word AI, artificial intelligence, threatens photographers because – I, I think in the photographers that I've talked to, and I've even talked to, by the way, the people at Luminar and at Adobe, stop using the word AI. Because mm-hmm. what, when you ask anybody, you walk up to somebody in the street and go, how do you feel about AI? They'll go, it's going to take my job. Everybody feels like artificial intelligence is a way for a robot to steal your job. Yeah, you know, Alex from uh, Luminar said the same thing yesterday, that they, they're calling an AI, but they have another uh, – John, do you remember what it was? Yeah, it was mach- they, they use the term machine learning. Yeah. And it's the same thing, though. 
Yeah. So it, it's it, and that's what Adobe Sensei is. It's AI, and then they they hook in machine learning. But it's those things are they got to come up with another way. Smart something. Call it smart because it uh, people are threatened by it, and photographers have a very negative. Like when I show AI stuff, I get instant negative feedback because we want to do it ourselves, and I just I don't think that we're really looking at it and realizing. It's okay. What what AI is doing is the stuff that we really don't want to do. It's the stuff that we will pay people in a foreign country to do for us. That's how bad it is. Like, I don't want to do this. Let's send it overseas. Yep. So uh, th- I think that if we can get past the, yes, it's doing it for me, but it's doing something I don't want to do myself. I, I want to use AI to get to the creative stuff quicker. Yes. I don't I want it to do my creative stuff. I want it to do my boring production stuff. Then we can embrace it. But right now, I talk to so many photographers, and you say the word AI, and they're like, no, 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 I want to do it myself. Yeah, it's kind of almost like when digital cameras uh, showed up, you know? Uh, you know? There was that group that fought it because... Oh, yeah, there was a lot of pushback. You know, I can remember... A very well-named, known photographer. I won't say who he is, but he's used to write a lot of books on photography. And uh, he told me one time that he will never use Photoshop. And uh, we gave him the analogy that he could either jump on the train, watch it go by, or step to the side and and, and miss. But it's the same kind of thing is that people are fighting the ai thing just like they're they fought you know digital when when it showed up uh and the point that you just made about about that guy it's 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 very unusual because there's always been a form of photoshop if you look at that famous photo and i i I can if you give me 10 seconds i'm going to give you the name of it but it's the famous shot of james dean and he's walking through the puddles in Times Square. It's it's a very very famous shot. I'm going to see if I can get you the name of the uh, the photographer that took it. And I know I've got it here somewhere. Hold on. I think I've got it here. But it, it, anyway, they I, I've got uh, the picture. And this was posted on the web, and every everyone saw it. And it was of the notes from the photographer to the dark room of what he wanted done to the shot. And it's a staggering amount of changes. Make this dark, make this bright, dodge this, burn this. Here it is. It is uh, Dennis Stock. It's this photo of James Dean from 1955. And if, if you go on Google and just search James Dean by Dennis Stock, it will show you it, there's so much, so much of his own notes are written on the print to give to the dark room to how he wants that photo done. Remove this, darken this, burn this, dodge this. I mean, on and on and on, and the gradations and things that he wanted added in there. But the problem was, Dennis Stock was having to tell somebody else what he wanted. I need this brighter, I need this darker. This has been, this has always been that way, right? And this is a hugely famous photo. If you saw it, you'd immediately go, oh yeah, that photo. But but you're having to give your cropping instructions and your dodging and your burning instructions to another person and hope that they interpret it. Right. Photoshop just allows you to cut out the middleman. Now I'm not having to tell someone how to interpret my art. I'm doing it myself. 
It's not that it was never done. It's always been done. Some of the most famous photographs you've ever seen. Uh, the photograph uh, from Henry Cartier-Bresson, it's, it's called Behind the Guerre Saint-Lazare. Mm -hmm. uh, Time magazine called it literally the photo of the century. You can go and see the original. If you go to Google and, and type in that uh, Henry Cartier-Bresson behind the Guerre Saint-Lazare, you will see the original uncropped photo and then his cropping instructions that were given to the lab and the dodging and burning that was done to that photo was was quite intense. I mean, it was like you would do a lot in Photoshop to get to where that lab got, where the technician in the lab got. But but it's it was considered one of the greatest photos of all time. It wasn't out of the camera. I mean, these are Henri Cartier-Bresson. You guys know he's considered one of the greatest photographers in the history of photography. Yeah, exactly. One of the things that made him great was he was able to convey to someone else how he wanted the image cropped or, you know, or, or you know, done in, in any way. And another one is how about the famous shot of Igor Stravinsky by Arnold Newman? If, if you go to college and you say, I want to study composition, they're going to bring up the shot of Stravinsky by Arnold Newman. And it's just the perfect balance. And it's like every, you could spend an hour just picking apart why this is so perfect. But that's not the shot he took. And you can do the same thing. Go to Google and you'll see the original medium format uh, picture that he took and all of his cropping instructions and how he wanted it changed for the darkroom technician. The only difference is we're doing it now. We're doing it ourselves. You no longer have to draw on a print and go, this is where I want it cropped. This is what I want brighter. This is what I want laid back. It, it you're doing it. So the guy that says, oh, I'm not using Photoshop is just basically saying, I, I don't know how to use Photoshop. I just don't know how because no one that ever uses Photoshop has says like, yeah, I'm really good at it, but I think it's cheating. It, it's <laughs> well, when, when someone tells you they're not going to use Photoshop, it's simply because they don't know Photoshop. Exactly. Yeah, and and they're just that's their cop out. I, I don't know Photoshop, so no, you shouldn't use it and all. It, it's just the dark room. And today, photography photography is it's Photoshop and it's light. Like our company's called Kelby One Photography Training. But it is already implied that that means Photoshop, Lightroom, photography, flash. It's as much stroke. as photography as pressing a shutter. You know, I mean it, it, it is. It, so, it is. So but, but you know, I think there's the there's this weird, ill-defined line between uh, digital development and manipulation. You know, when we talk about we, you know, we've seen in the news recently um, photographers that have uh, drastically manipulated photos to win contests, putting moons in, and and it just breeds this sort of natural <laughs> skepticism. Is where is that line between development and manipulation, where it's no longer <laughs> representative of the image that was taken we, we could do 10 podcasts on yeah. that subject never well you know what that is that's something different it, it's there is and this is weird and if you'll give me 30 seconds to go off i'm going to step on a soapbox real quick For here sure. so so there there is a big difference between photojournalism and fine art when you're doing fine art and you're adding the moon and you're adding composites and things like that, they have done that forever. They have done those. Things. Go back and look at movie posters from 10 years before there was Photoshop. And they were still doing amazing things in the darkroom uh, before there was any kind of Photoshop. Before there were computers, they were doing incredible things in post-production that just wasn't on a computer. 
But uh, there is a, a part of photography today, and I think it's, it's very old-fashioned and outdated, that says, okay, we're going to do a photography contest, and these are the only type of photos that will win. The only photos that will win are what we consider real photography. And if you're not doing one of these particular brooding person on a street that looks sad, you're not going to win a photo contest these days. The photos that win are the same photos again and again and again, and they're all photojournalistic. Now, I don't think you should cheat on contests that are based on photojournalistic. I don't I think if you add a moon, you should enter it as a composite, right? I mean that's it's you shouldn't cheat. You, Just you know, period. You know, you know what Gail and Gail and Ralph said he said do whatever you want to do, just say what you did. Exactly. That and and I I totally agree with him. That is a, a yeah, do whatever you want to do, just fess up to it. Hey, this is a photo composite. That's yeah. an art. And there's room for art and there's room for other photos to win contests that that aren't the sad child or the sad person in the street. My gosh, if I see one more contest where the it's the same photos that win. And I understand why people have stopped entering contests because the the, the same group of people pick the same photos to win every freaking time. I'm like, come on, can't somebody can't somebody else put a photo in that doesn't look like a sad person? You're, you not, know. you're not wrong at all. You're 100 percent correct. I think but about so it. I think there's a place for all that stuff. There's a place for composites. There's a place for art. There's a place for these things that that go beyond photography. We just have to make a category for it. it it's OK. It's compositing is cool and it's an art and some people are so good at it. Yes. And it, it's cool to add like like I went through a phase of my life that I'm just going through this right now. So it's kind of interesting. Um, I would never add fake clouds to a shot. I, I did it a couple of times. Like if they, I, I, it would be a bald sky and I would add the photo. And to me, that photo was always tainted from that moment on. I could never look at it and be proud of it. I was always like I cheated. And then within the last year, I realized that I'm the only person not doing it. I talk to all these like landscape photographers and travel photographers I look up to and I admire. And I'm like, oh, man, that day must have been amazing. They're like, well, no, there was no clouds. I added those in post. I'm like, what? What? And I I realized in the last year, I'm the only one not doing it. So now I'm like, well, heck, I'm just I'm the only idiot left that's not adding clouds. I mean, I'm a Photoshop guy. I know how to do it. I've just resisted doing it. But I realized I'm the only one there. And and somebody was making this point to me. They were like, well, Scott, if you if you did everything right, you got up in the morning and you got your gear there and you got in place and the sun just it just got brighter. No clouds showed up and you trod you flew all the way there. You're never gonna show those photos? I'm like, Well, no. And they're like, You just you went there and the the light was nice, but there was just no clouds. I'm like, Yeah, that's kind of a dead shot. And they're like, Wouldn't be dead for me, I'd go add some clouds. Yeah. Now Here's here's my thing. You ready for my why my one little bit of, of moral something? My new rule is <laughs> I try to add clouds from the same area, from a different day or a different trip. So if I'm at Monument Valley and nothing shows up and I don't get a cloud in the sky like my last trip to Mount Monument Valley, I go back to 2006 when I went there before and I try to get clouds from my 2006 trip and and move them into you know today now i don't take clouds from new zealand and put them (laughs) over but but everybody else does so i still have that moral like 
Just use native know. clouds. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I like but, that. You know, do it, do, do what you want to do. Just say, here's what I did. It's a big deal. Yeah. yeah so I, I, I'm with you on that one. You won me over on that. Do what you want to do. Just say what you did. You know, I, I always like to, you know, the people, not too much anymore, but they used to walk up and they'd say, boy, uh, you, you saturated the color in that image a little bit, didn't you? And I would say, uh, yeah. And then, well, that, that wasn't the way it looked. And I said, well, you know, when you were shooting your F4 back in the film days, what kind of film did you use? And they go, oh, I used Velvia all the time. I said, Ooh. and your point is what? So, you know, it was being done in the film days. It was, the people were saturated by using different kinds of film and yeah, I mean that—that's the first thing you did as a landscape photographer. So, Once you got good, you thought, okay, I'm switching to Fuji Velvia yeah, to make and, my colors saturated, and then Kodak and, tried to play catch up. Amazing! It's, a, it's an amazing thing. Hey, uh, one—I have another question for you, and, and sure. it has nothing to do with photography. I have a degree in music. I think you and I one time talked about this somewhere. Maybe it might have been back in the Smokies a couple of years ago. Would you tell people what you do musically? Because I think it's overlaps in the creative thing in uh, in, in photography. Okay. Well, I, I started as a musician, and so that was my first thing back in school when I was a kid. I was a, a drummer, and then I became a keyboard player, and I played keyboards in a band for about 12 years. So even when I had day jobs and things, I still played on the weekends. Or, But I did it full-time for 12 years. Like It was my job and how I made my living. It's how I met my wife. Uh, she was a singer in a band, and, and uh, we, we met when she was 18. And by the time she was 23, we were married. And we're still married 30 years this year. So uh, so I, I've always been a musician, and I, I, I kind of dabble in guitar. If you look at my Twitter Thing it says I'm a an author, a photographer, and a struggling guitarist. I'm told so, you're a good player, so uh, I'm I'm kind of a hack on guitar, but I, I really like it. It's it's a lot of fun. But what I really spend my time doing now, and I, I'm doing it until two thirty in the morning last night, is I I have a home recording studio, and because I can play guitar and bass and drums and keyboards, uh, I I play all the parts. So I don't write my own songs yet. I'm working on that. But I, I go and I redo my favorite songs. I, I find songs that I like from usually from the 80s and 90s, but I've done some some modern brand new songs. And I, I try to play and record the parts to where it does not sound like karaoke. I You're want it to sound manipulating music, Scott. I'm sorry. God. You're manipulating music. I'm God, not it's manipulating. Like, I'm, I'm just, playing it live. <laughs> I'm just giving you a bad time. It's like the no, I'm, I'm playing it. It's not playing it for me. It, it's, <laughs> I'm not using loops or any of that stuff. No, no. I play the drum parts. I have a drum kit. I've got a bass. I, well, I, unfortunately, I have a lot of – I have 46 guitars, oh my which God. lets you wow. know I'm not very good. So, Because uh, I was really good. I'd have two guitars that would be awesome, but I, I have just so many. I have 18, 19 guitars in my office at work. So uh, I have a whole wall of just of them. But so anyway, so that's what I do. I, I make songs. And right now I'm working on Joan Jett's I Hate Myself for Loving You. There and you know. uh, great, great, great song uh, made written. I mean, uh, co-written by Joan Jett and uh, and one of the most pro prolific rock songwriters uh, ever. Desmond Child 
that guy wrote every song. He just did a concert in New York and he just looks like a regular dude. And he wrote like he wrote uh, all like Bon Jovi's big hits. And he wrote so many songs that are just you can't believe that he wrote for everybody. He wrote you name a big song. He probably wrote it. And he wrote he wrote yeah. that for Joan Jett. And so that's what I'm working on. I sit there at night with my headphones on after everybody goes to bed. I go in the studio and I try to recreate these songs note for note, lick for lick to where you would not know that it wasn't the original. Now, here's my secret. If you go on YouTube, you can often find the isolated vocal track. So I, when you hear a Bon Jovi song, it's actually Bon Jovi singing, but it's just his vocal track. And, and I play every other part, every keyboard part, horns, whatever strings. I did the Game of Thrones theme, whatever. I have all these plugins, and I've just invested all this, I'm gathering all these. Just like a photographer will have, they'll have Luminar and On One and all these different ones. You know, I have uh, Precision Brass, and I've got these strings. I've got this plugin and Roland and Korg and all these different. You know, so it's very much like photography. Uh, in that it, it consumes all your time and you buy all the goodies and it's so much fun. And so many uh, great photographers I know that are also musicians, you know, people like Rick Salmon. Rick yeah. Salmon went to the Berkeley School of Music. Guy's amazing. Uh, Sam Haddix also went to Berkeley. You know, Sam's a great portrait photographer. And uh, Frank Doerhoff from Amsterdam. Man, the guy shreds, he smokes on guitar. So there's so many, so many people that I know that are, are musicians that are also photographers. It's a creative thing, and it's easy to see them overlap. It is. It is. And, and you know, I, I did this, uh, you know, I mean, I made a living in this for 20 years myself, and I uh, went to Indiana. And, uh, you know, it's, I find it's very similar to making photographs, you know, especially if you're kind of a jazz player or you do any kind of improvising because, you know, you've got the basic tune which would be the scene, and then you yeah. make something out of it. It's, it's, someday I'm going to do a blog article on that. It, it's um, quite fascinating to me. I just I knew this. I just wanted the audience here to know that you don't sit around you know, writing books every minute of your life. You have a pretty, pretty exciting, uh, <laughs> exciting well, a life. life. Well, hey, Scott, let me ask you, because you know, I was rereading your biography and all the stuff that you do, and – you know, I'm just exhausted from reading this. Um, all of the stuff that you managed to fit in from running the media group to the to the TV program to the podcast you do weekly, author, musician, how do, family man. How do you fit all this stuff in and still manage to be creative? Well, you don't sleep. I, 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 I... Well, no, I sleep mostly sleep when I'm driving. I think that's what really helps uh, a lot. Um, yeah. No. Uh, I, I I always think that it seems like I must do more than I do because well one thing is I, I'm very lucky that uh, you know I'm I I'm the owner of the business so I have a lot of flexibility uh, every time that my daughter or my son you know have a conference at school with their teachers or they have a sporting event or something I, I'm able to go and that is an incredible blessing that you don't have to get permission or whatever I, I do schedule my things around that like if I know if daddy daughter dance is coming up I do not book a seminar I don't book a workshop I don't I, I block out these days knowing well in advance I I don't want to be that absentee father and I lo- I've got great kids they're a blast and uh, we have so much fun together so having you know being self-employed honestly, really has made 
all this happen. So I can do these things and I can go home and I can work for the day and be with my kids. And I'm, I'm writing, but I'm on there on the couch and we take breaks and we have lunch together and we hang out. And so, um, I, I'm, I'm, I really love my time with my family and I, I don't live far from the office. It's a short, easy drive. And so I'm able to ping over to the office, but if I need to stay home for a day or a week or whatever, I, I can do it. I, I plan my seminars to where I fly out the day before and then fly home the same night. And unless I'm on the West Coast like Seattle, um, where I, I can't get home the same night, you know, it's just it's just when when you when you figure out what your priorities are, you just kind of move everything around that. Um, I also play in a band. We don't rehearse enough, but we do get to play once or twice a year. And that's that's a lot of fun. But I'm playing with people I used to play with 20 years ago. We're playing songs that we played for 20 years. So we kind of look at each other and go, you know the song, right? It's an E. Okay, one, two, three, four. <laughs> so uh, it, it sounds like we practice all the time, but we basically have a practice and then we, we play the gig. So I don't know. It's just uh, – it, it it seems so natural and so e- easy, um, I guess, and it's because I'm self-employed. You know, If I, if I, I had an employer where I couldn't just take off the time – I wouldn't be able to do half what I do. I also have a full-time assistant that, that really helps. I mean, she she keeps me in track. And, you know, before today's podcast, an hour before, she's sending me notes. You have a podcast in an hour. You have a podcast in 30 minutes. You have a podcast. And that's because I have the attention span of a hamster. Yeah. And she knows that if she doesn't, you know. But it, it does take a number of people to move me in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, because I'm like, ooh, shiny object. I mean, when you got 46 guitars, it's hard to walk down the hallway and not pull one off. So, uh, <laughs> like, I can see 12 of them from where I'm sitting. It's like, yeah, I gotta go get that one. But um, I don't know. It's it's it doesn't. It seems so effortless to me. And I know that's just a cop out, but it's just it, it, mostly because I'm self-employed. I, I'm gonna gonna blame it on that. And that I and then also I'm a quick writer. I can write really quickly and yeah. I type very, very fast. Nice. <laughs> nice. You know, being self-employed, though, you know, answer, you're really know. thinking about the business, too, and and what you could do and new ideas. And that's why the music thing, you, you have you kind of totally shut everything else down. And yes, uh, yes. That's, that's the thing. That is it. That is exactly it. When yeah. I'm playing music. I, I don't think about anything else. Like I, and that's why I go in there and I think, well, it's 10 o'clock. Oh, I'm going to go till 11. And I look up and it's 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. Yep. It, it is like a time warp and you're not thinking about business and you're not worried about anything and you're not thinking about meetings or what's going to happen tomorrow or what you got to do or what time you got to get up. You're just in it. And I, that's what you, you nailed what it is. When when I'm playing music, everything else fades away, and it's I I love that, and it's a greatest stress reliever on earth. It is, it is, it is. It's amazing. Well, hey, second, Scott, but, oh. you know, I, I think it. Uh, I think we kind of had a good little talk here. I really, really appreciate you being here, Judd. Um, is there anything else I'm leaving out here? Well, just I, I just kind of had one more one more question for you, Scott. If you want to put your sure. Adobe hat on, yeah. And you know, there's a lot of great software alternatives coming up lately. You know, we referenced Luminar. There's Capture One. There's a bunch of different tools that are really, really starting to to do a good job out there. How how is Adobe and you kind of viewing all these other competitors that are coming into the, the photo processing landscape? All right. I'm going to be straight with you. Yeah. 
there's a, you're right. There's a lot of good competitors, uh, you know, and, and none of them stand a chance. Not even a hope, not a chance. No one is there. They have no chance of unseating Lightroom and Photoshop. Lightroom and Photoshop are so ingrained and have so many literally millions of users around the world that you have Luminar. It's a great product. I use it myself. I love it, but I use it as something that sits on top of Lightroom. And that, I think that's, I think that they know that uh, from our talk. I, th- I think now they're all starting to realize it. I think that there was a time where they thought they were that all of these companies thought they were going to be the next Lightroom. Em- embrace it. I think a few still do, but I think the ones that embrace it and 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 say it's okay, we're what we are. We're not trying to be this. That you, they're the yes. ones that survive. The other ones are not. I, I, I agree. I think that's why Luminar is doing well. I think that uh, a lot of companies, Capture One, on, uh, Luminar, everybody, all these people went through their phase where they thought, man, Lightroom's got these issues. And if we did this thing, everybody would change to us. They don't, they don't have a chance. I mean, there's not, it's not even a blip. Now, I'm going to give you an, an analogy that sounds bad, but it's, I don't really mean it that way. So look at Fuji. Fuji makes great cameras. Really, really good cameras. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. I'm an ex-photographer from Fuji. Right. I, I know so many people, and if you talk to a Fuji owner, they will tell you how much they love their Fuji. Yep. If you talk to an Olympus owner, Olympus owners are they're totally devoted to their cameras. They love their Olympus cameras. Panasonic, Lumix users, they're crazy about them. And if you take Olympus and, and Fuji and, all, and add them together, what's it, 2% of the market? Exactly. They're never going to be Canon. They're never going to be Nikon and they're never going to be Sony. They're going to always have their little niche and people will use them and love them. And they're great. So this isn't about the quality of the competitor because you could make a program that's better than Lightroom or better than Photoshop or half money. But those things are so entrenched and there's such an ecosystem and community built around Photoshop and Lightroom that it doesn't matter if you come out with something is good or faster or better. People are not going to switch. People have invested so much time, energy, and money in learning those products. Mm-hmm. It is the core of their workshop and it would of their workflow, and it would require them to change everything to make this switch. And there will be some people that do it, but you know, Adobe sells more Lightroom in one day than every other program combined. So it's it, – it, I don't think that Adobe – by the way, Adobe is at their all-time high in the history of Adobe for their stock price. They're the darling of Wall Street. They're making money. And here's the thing. You could call up Adobe and complain about anything. You call up and say, oh, man, Lightroom doesn't do this or Photoshop didn't do this and this crashed. And Adobe's like, I'm sorry. I can't hear you from the sound of champagne corks popping in our hallways. <laughs> they, they are so on the top of the hill. They're doing better than they've ever done in the history of the company. So while I, I, I've got a lot of friends at Adobe and I call them up and I complain, man, if they see my phone, they, they got to know. Should I take this call? It's Scott, and he's going to call up and whine about something. <laughs> I'm surprised that anybody at Adobe takes my call because all I ever do – because I feel like I'm a – a, a champion of the end user, and I feel like I don't know. I and, and I wasn't appointed to this, but I feel like doggone it. I, I represent these thousands and thousands of users all around the world in 122 countries that all use their products, and I, I feel what they're struggling with, and I know what they're telling me. They're and I'm going to go tell Adobe because I I know people there, and I'm going to yell at them. 
And every once in a while, some stuff gets done. Every once in a while, we get something in there, and it's great. And there's, I could give you a laundry list of things that are in Lightroom and Photoshop because we've, you know, stormed the gate with mm-hmm. our uh, pitchforks and, and torches. But uh, right now, Adobe is on such a high, and they're making so much money, and they're so successful. Wall Street loves them. The customers love them again. Everybody's happy that uh, I don't see it's going to take something miraculous to knock them off their, their – because it's just they're so ingrained yeah, so and they're such an ecosystem. So I don't that's disagree. Like, the companies that have embraced – you know, we could all live in the same world here. They'll survive. And the ones that haven't are going to go away. Yep. I yeah, totally well, agree. Thanks for that, Scott. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Well, Scott, I have to tell you – I can't believe I can't believe we've been on here for almost an hour, and we could probably go. Oh my gosh! <laughs> maybe we'll, maybe uh, later in the year we can get you back and and, uh, and, and, and do another version. As this was just so much, it was just an honor to have you here. Oh, this is great! I feel like I'm in a bar with some buddies. Well, <laughs> yeah, there just, you go. Just sitting around talking about photography. I love it. It's it's, it's it, so much it, fun. It's one of the things I love to do best. It is, and, and thank you for all your all you've done for the photography community, and and uh, you know, I, I mean, I ha- I think I still have my Lightroom two book here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, save it and frame it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyhow, again, uh, thanks to Scott. Uh, just a um, couple little housekeeping things here. Um, we do have a a, a website. Obviously, wetalkphoto.com. And Scott will put some show notes up on here if you want to uh, send some information on anything you'd like to our email address, which is wetalkphoto at gmail.com. John will get that up. John is the technical brains behind what we're doing here. Thank you, John. And uh, we could do that. And uh, and uh, we also have um, uh, that email address for those of you who have any topics you'd like us to talk about. Um, maybe some guests uh, that we're not – we have a bunch of them here on the list that are going to be doing some things with us, but we're open to suggestions. Don't be bashful. And uh, I think uh, that kicks things in the head for today, huh? John, I think it does, Scott. It's been a real honor and a pleasure. Thank you. Oh, same here. I so much appreciate it and really enjoyed our chat. That was a blast. (laughs) Okay. All right, guys. Thank you much. And uh, stay tuned. And, uh, yeah, have a great day. Mm